Hello and welcome to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve Caldwell here and we're so glad that you're here. We use our mojo to really become greater leaders. Now, let's get started by listening to something good. Want to make 2017 your best year ever? Then let me be your teacher, your mentor. I've prepared special courses and webinars for you that will help you succeed and to give you access directly to me. Go to mojouniversity.com and sign up today. You have nothing to lose. Try me for 30 days and if you aren't satisfied, I guarantee you a full refund, no questions asked. Don't go it alone. Let me be your guide at mojouniversity.com. Be successful today. Hello and welcome everyone to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve Caldwell here and I'm thrilled to introduce my special guest today, Mr. Seth Kahn. Now Seth is the author of Getting Change Right, uh, which was a bestseller, and he has a new book out. His latest book is called Getting Innovation Right. Now Seth helps CEOs, senior leadership teams, and boards of directors achieve extraordinary results. Uh, he's a renowned expert on and thought leader when it comes to leadership and uh, he's a, a big member in the Society for Advancement of Consulting. Uh, he's even been appointed a visionary by the Center for Association Leadership. Seth, welcome to the Manager Mojo Show. Glad to have you with us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I've, I've really enjoyed uh, your books and I look forward to uh, talking about them. But before we get started on that, why don't you share with our listeners what fun thing that you've been up to lately outside of work? Well, uh, my son, who's 19, and I have been going on a father-son trip since he was five every summer. And uh, we just got back from two weeks in the southwest we were in arizona and california together bumming around uh, cheap hotels and staying in airbnbs and having a good time together <laughs> awesome uh, that sounds wonderful uh, and i know that was fun uh thanks for sharing that with us today sure uh seth one of the things that that i want to talk about because so many times we uh we get to talking in leadership about change and uh, you know, change is one of those topics that everybody knows is inevitable, but it can be very stressful and very hard to pull off. So when you wrote, uh, let's start with your first book, Getting Change Right, a little bit. It's, uh, it really is an innovative communication method for making change happen in an organization. Why don't you share with our listeners, really, what, what was your uh, real intent with Getting Change Right and how can we learn from that? 
Well, um, many, many moons ago, when I got uh, out of college, I started doing street theater. And I ended up doing it for 10 years. And my interest was in getting the audience to first stop and then to watch and then lastly to participate. And I studied what it took to make that happen uh, and got pretty good at it. Uh, fast forward many years later, I was working at the World Bank and I had the opportunity to create events that were designed to do exactly that, but now it was around getting uh, workers to first stop and pay attention and then join in a change effort. And I used a lot of the same techniques and I was able to create some pretty dramatic successes. Um, and after having gone through about five or six of these change initiatives in large organizations, uh, like the World Bank, the Peace Corps, Royal Dutch Shell, um, I was asked to put this down, put my methodology down, and that's what getting change right is. Well, it, it's a fascinating study, and uh, for those of you who haven't yet read it, uh, I highly recommend that you get both books, uh, Getting Change Right and Getting Innovation Right, because uh, Seth not only uh, goes into great detail about in the books, but he also provides step-by-step uh, -step instructions, and you can really learn more about his techniques in that. So I, I highly recommend it. They're both really outstanding uh, books, and it should be on everybody's shelf. When, uh, when you look through change, uh, and it, so many people resist change, I mean, dr uh, dramatically so. so uh, when when you began to cause change, what was the key ingredient to, to lower people's uh, really resistance to change? Well, it was first to listen to them. I discovered that listening to people uh, engages them in a way that talking to them, talking at them, doesn't. And so I built a methodology around engaging people. And uh, this, this work started for me out of being asked to create buy-in, support, and engagement for initiatives that were not getting traction, where mm -hmm. people were largely ignoring the change process. And I always started out, just because I'm naturally curious and I like people, I always started out by asking people what was on their minds, what were they concerned about. If they had re reservations or hesitance, could they explain it to me? And what I discovered was that through that dialogue, I was able to really engage people and then make significant progress in terms of getting their support for the change initiatives. I think it's fascinating. I mean, it, I, I know in, uh, it, you actually state in the book that you should never stop listening. Never, never give up an interaction. That's a direct quote in the book. And I, I think... <laughs> Uh, most of us really struggle with that, uh, early, especially early in our career, don't we? Yes, we do. It's, it's so easy to be hooked on our own thoughts and our own ideas and forget that we are actually in relationship with the people we depend on. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. And I, I think that uh, we, we almost really lose uh, the ability to, to really have true conversations with people. Uh, so when, when you're talking about uh, having conversations that engage other people, can you give us a couple of tips today about how we might can change our own behavior to do that? Sure. Well, one of the things that I always like, I, I, I'm interested in the future and how we can improve our situation. And that can be individually or organizationally. And so I a lot of times will start conversations off by asking people, 
you know, if everything went right, where do you think we should go? Or what kind of results would you like to see? Um, and I'm quick to ask questions. So if they, if they use an acronym I haven't heard of or an idea that I'm not sure that I can really wrap my head around, I'll ask them to elaborate. You know, one of my favorite phrases is, say more about that. Help me understand mm-hmm. that through your eyes. Yeah. Uh, th- those are some of the techniques that I use. Well, it, it's really good open-ended questioning, and unfortunately, I think open-ended questions have, have almost become a forgotten art. Uh, very few people really even uh, think about those types of questions to get other people engaged. Uh, you make a point of, about elevator speeches that uh, so many leaders, when they start executing a change, they come up with a slogan first, and then they want to pound it down down the line, and it doesn't work, does it? No, it doesn't. Um, I think the point I say in there is that all elevator speeches end up ultimately going down. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know... Context is everything. You really, I mean, you can say the same thing, and in a different context, it can mean the opposite of what you intended to say. So you really have to start off by making a connection with someone and understanding how they're looking at the circumstance before you even know what to say. Uh, amen. I, I think it's so incredibly important. One, one of the fascinating things in the book, that, uh, in, and really it's, it, there are elements of this in both books, although it's done differently, uh, you are a large believer in storytelling, aren't you? Yes, I am. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about storytelling and why this is so important for people? Well, storytelling is how people create meaning. Um, we know that if, we, if you look at a little, uh, really little child, um, they put their, t- their world together through stories. You know, uh, a, a toddler will come running in the house and say, you know, I tripped, I fell, I'm crying. And that's their, their story. But we do not learn rationality until it's pounded into our heads in school. And I know that because I'm a math major and I, I specialized in rationality. But, <laughs> but, but those stories, the stories about who we are, where we came from, what's important to us, how our day went, those are much more fundamental. And so if we can learn to speak in stories, we can actually uh, not only share better and get, get ideas to stick better, but we can do it in ways that people are able to actually remember it when they need it. And that's what's most critical. Well, uh, I think storytelling is, is really uh, so underestimated by people. They, they think that uh, communication is really just how well did I write a speech, how well did I write a slogan, uh, did I really uh, delegate the proper authority to make it happen, but unless people really understand the reasons behind change, they're never going to buy it, are they? No, they're not, and, uh, and, and they may not even remember it. <laughs> Maybe even worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> so true, so true. I, I think it's fascinating that uh, I, I did not know that you were a math major. I also was a math major, and here we are, both of us, trying to help people through uh, conversation. Uh, maybe that's because we kind of struggle with it ourselves early. Yeah, uh, it might be. It might be. Uh, I, I know it was true of me. It probably was not true of you, but I, I absolutely didn't get the... I understood how to communicate, but I didn't really understand how to ask for other people's opinions and how they felt like it might affect them. And uh, being able to uh, tell stories and that really relate to the situation are really important. 
Yes, they are. Uh, l- let me, if I could, I'd just give you a quick example. Uh, sure. I, I teach a I teach a lot of leadership classes, and I and I have to teach them how important storytelling is. And I always like to tell the true story about how one time I was camping in the woods. I'm a big camper, and I took my dog with me. And I noticed my dog was kind of wobbling as we walked into the woods together. And I got around in front of him, and I saw that he was foaming at the mouth. And I immediately remembered a story that I heard on NPR three years earlier that told me that with a large dog, and he was a large dog, that you have to be careful about them running after they eat or drink because their stomach can flip over, and it's lethal if you don't get them to a hospital right away. And I'll tell people that story. And I'll say, I just want you to see how well I recalled that story. And if I stop there, guess what everybody wants to know? Well, what happened? That's right. What happened to the dog? What happened to the dog? Can't stop now. And I say to people, look, you're hooked. See this? I'll tell you what happened to the dog. But the first thing I want you to know is that I've got you. And that's the power of storytelling. And so the dog was fine. I got him to a vet. She operated. He didn't get to go camping with me that weekend, but he lived to die of old age. And um, I tell people, too, you know, if I stop you on the street in three weeks and I ask you to tell me the seven points of getting change right, I bet you'll fumble. But if I ask you to tell me the dog story, you'll probably remember the whole thing. And that's another element of storytelling. It's easy to recall. Yeah, it's easy to recall. There's real emotion. There's real concern uh, with, with your dog. I mean, people relate to those kind of conversations, don't they? Yes, they do. Uh, of the uh, steps in change emphasis, what, what do you really believe? Is there, is there a, an element that's more critical than others when you're trying to get change right? Well, yes, it's, and it's exactly what we've been talking about. It's engagement, it's storytelling, it's relevance. Probably relevance is the biggest key. Um, if I'm trying to persuade someone to change their behavior, the first barrier I've got to cross is, is this really important to me? Because if it's not, I mean, there's so much information that just pours into our lives daily. We've all had to, by necessity, become experts at screening stuff out. And so if I can't establish pretty quickly that what I'm telling you is important, uh, my chances are pretty much nil that it's going to stick in any way. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, now, Seth, I want to transition for just a moment uh, to getting innovation right, because I believe the books really are great companions to one another. Uh, so share with our listeners how uh, getting change right and getting innovation right really relate to each other and really why you wrote the second book. Sure. Well, uh, when I first began consulting, I had a reputation for getting engagement and buy-in. And so I would get brought in by CEOs who said, I know what I want to do, uh, but I just can't get anybody to support it. How do I get support? Uh, and about five years in, that changed. And uh, I'm talking now, this was about 2007. Uh, the world got to be so disruptive. Uh, things started to move so fast that I started being brought in. And, and p- instead of people saying, I know what I want to do, they'd say, I don't know what to do. Right. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> So I started looking at the ones who were consistently getting innovation right and asking, uh, do they have things in common? You know, what's the difference between throwing spaghetti on the wall to see if it'll stick and actually turning out one service or product after another that does get uptake and traction and then become a success in the market? And that's what I put in getting innovation right, what I learned from the leaders I worked with who were getting it right. 
Well, it, it's, it's really a, a great testament to that. Uh, and the thing that I like so much about your books is that you don't just uh, talk about it in theory. You give good examples. Uh, you do take advantage of your storytelling uh, capability. And you, you uh, give people uh, charts and figures and, and really good examples. Uh, when, when you look at uh, innovation, and innovation really to me relates directly to providing value to your, your customers and to your internal customers as well. Uh, what's the key ingredient uh, to be an innovative company? What, if you're going to be an in a leader that's really looking at, at innovation, what's the key thing for you to consider? I think the number one thing is to get your customers involved as fast as you can so that you're getting the benefit of their feedback and input before you get too far down the road. If you I mean the world has no shortage of great ideas and right. you know but great ideas that work, great ideas that people buy, great ideas that create impact, that's where the, that's where the real magic is. And so I'm always looking, when I'm working with a team on innovation, I'm always looking for the customer's perspective. And is the customer getting excited about this, or is this just us that's getting excited about it? Well, so true. And, and I think, uh, I, I can't tell you how many times I've personally been involved in situations where we were all excited, but nobody, uh, nobody had yet asked the customer whether they cared at all. And, it, it, you know, that's just busy work if you really get right down to it. That's right. That's right. You can waste an awful lot of time and money creating some really cool things that nobody will ever take or use. Now, for my listeners, I want to point out that uh, Seth uh, actually talks about how you can collect intelligence on your customers. And, and I really believe that this is so inc incredibly important uh, for us to do. And, and I, But yet I find people, they struggle with, okay, where do I start first? And uh, so you, you help uh, really outline that, and you talk about your three areas of focus for intelligence. Uh, you talk about customers, market conditions, and then organizational capabilities. Uh, when you're looking at customers, do you want to pull a cross-section of customers, or do you want to get much larger as soon as you can? Well, I like, to, I like to get right down to the people who are actually going to make the purchase if possible. The person who's both capable of making the decision and writing the check, you know, as it were. Uh, I like to know yeah. what they think about it. And I, I, that's the person I'm most interested in hearing from as soon as possible. And if that's a very small slice of your customer base, then I'm all for, you know, lasering in and, and, and hearing from them. But, but if, you're, if you're selling something that really goes out to the masses, if you really, you know, you need to be successful, you need to sell tens of thousands or millions of, of whatever it is you're offering, then you do need to do much larger groups. Now, I, I think a lot of times when people hear uh, innovation, they, they think of it as just, okay, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing stuff against the wall. And you talk about innovation, that it has to be uh, judged by results. Uh, so tell us, uh, what it, why is it important to really judge your work by results? Well, that's what you're going to take to the bank eventually. I mean, and, and there you go. Not, and, and, and I don't just patting your own pockets, but if you want to build something that's a success in the market, you've got to have at least two happy campers, sometimes more. You got to have the purchase. The person who's purchasing it has to be really excited about what they've got, and the person who's developing it has to be excited, which means it has to be funded. 
You know, you can only get so far if your resources dry up. But if you create a virtuous cycle where people are investing by buying and purchasing what you've got, and you've got the money then to take it to the next level, you can get into a cycle where you can really build something incredible. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That's a great way to put it. Uh, I know you wrote an entire chapter in, in emotional intelligence, or excuse me, in <coughs> excuse me, that where you said uh, that. Uh, you believe that it's important that leaders understand how to exploit uh, disruption in the marketplace. Uh, I, without going into too much detail, what is uh, disruption in the marketplace? Well, we live in an age of disruption, so it's happening everywhere all the time now. It, I mean, it started a, a, a decade or so ago, but it's just accelerating. And a disruption is when somebody builds a better mousetrap or, or a circumstance shifts uh, irreconcilably, and, and now we have to adapt to it. We can't really change it. And when a disruption like that takes place, any time that people are pushed out of something or, that, or, or a circumstance is foisted upon them, you have new needs that spring up simultaneously with it. And the mm -hmm. real successful innovators understand what those needs are, and they target them, and they exploit them right away. And that will a lot of times pull the customer even tighter into them so that they have a stronger relationship. It, it's... Uh, it really understanding that this is a real, uh, I think you called it an inflection point in the market. Is that a fair way to say that? Yes, it is. So if I am a leader, what are some of the things that I could do to help myself and help my company really kind of be aware of the coming disruption? Because it's going to happen to every company. It is, and it's probably going to happen often. Um, one of the, the most popular services that I provide to my clients right now is helping them build the internal capacity for strategic foresight. And strategic foresight is really being able to look as far into the future as you can and understand the trends that are emerging and which ones are most likely to happen and which ones are most important to your business so that you can get ahead of them before they arise. I'd say that's really important. Oh, I agree. It's totally important, and I find it a, uh, it's a skill that very few people have uh, naturally. They're going to have to develop that, aren't they? Yes, they are. It's, it's, it's something we really didn't need until recently because you could really hit a steady state. If you had a good product or service, you could just keep selling it over and over again. But now you really need to develop it and uh, adapt it as the market changes. You know, the software industry is a prime example of, of how disruption can I mean, one day you could be the, the best thing, everybody wants it, everybody needs it, and has to have it, they're spending money, and then an innovator comes in and they, they put a different spin on it and you're now out of business. That's right, it can happen very quickly, and I've seen it happen very quickly, and it's, 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 a, it's a, a, really a rough ride to go, so you wanna be doing everything you can to understand what are those trends before they hit you. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I like the fact that, you know, you help your clients doing that. So I think this is a good time, uh, Seth. Uh, why don't you share, uh, I know people are going to want to connect with you. What's the best way that they can connect with you and find out more about your great work? Well, uh, if you go to my website, which is visionaryleadership.com, probably the best way to stay in touch with me is to sign up. There's a sign-up sheet right there for, I've got two weekly newsletters that go out. There's Monday Morning Mojo. I like the name of your show. <laughs> There's Monday Morning Mojo that comes out every Monday morning, and I write it every Sunday night or Monday morning, so it's live. 
And then there's uh, Visionary Talk, which is a video blog. I send out a video once a week that's usually three minutes or less that has one of my core concepts in it. Well, and uh, so I encourage you to go and sign up for these. Uh, and just to make it easy for those of you that are exercising right now, we'll put a link directly uh, in this post. So look for it and go sign up for the newsletters from Seth. Uh, Seth, as we kind of come to, uh, uh, to the end of our discussion today, one of the things that I'd like for you to do is I, I like to give people action items. Uh, what would be your top three action items that you would really recommend to leaders if they're looking to get better at, uh, at change or innovation? What would be your top three tips that you'd want them to take away today? I would say, uh, you know, culture is your job. Create a culture of curiosity. Um, I'll give you a couple of ideas, but figure out how to get your people really bringing ideas to you. Um, I've got one client who once a month he brings all of his staff together. They have a little bit of food, and he goes around and he asks everybody, what's the coolest thing you've heard about in our space? And everybody just gets a chance to share. You know, I talked to a customer, I heard this, I read this in a newspaper article. That's about creating a culture of curiosity and then rewarding people for it, just by giving them a little bit of food. It's not a, you don't have to give them a bonus. You don't have to change their pay. Just, just <laughs> let them know that you, you want to know and you, and you won't. So that's, that's one big thing. Um, that's yeah, go awesome. ahead. No, yeah. I was just thinking, uh, you know, that's a great tip everybody could put into place uh, this week. Yeah, and, and another thing that, that people can do in the, in the workplace to really uh, kind of pump up the innovation is to make sure that everybody who's touching a customer, whether it's you know, the, the people who are answering the phones or the salesmen uh, or, or people who are interacting, like a lot of my clients are associations, and so they're talking to their members all the time, making sure that they're staying curious and asking questions. And again, not just preaching to the people that they're interacting with, but listening to them and then bringing that back into the organization so that everybody can learn from it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I recommend that they, uh, that they not only listen and bring it back, but there should be a good, simple way to record that intelligence. Yes, I agree with you. I, I very much agree with you. All right, that's number two. Now, what about your third tip for us? Uh, third tip, in terms of getting change right, I would say um, be really clear about what is the change that you're trying to affect and then share it with people and get their two cents on it. This comes back to the story listening that we were talking about. So, for example, if, if I want to create more transparency in the organization, I'm just kind of picking that out of the air for the moment. It, mm -hmm. Let's say I'm the CEO. I might call, you know, take a vice president out to lunch and say, I'm all about creating more transparency. What do you think of that? Don't spend too much time talking about it. Maybe give them a sentence or two. I'd like people to see each other's behaviors. I'd like them to know how they could better support each other. I'd like them to understand each other's resources. Now that's enough. What do you think about that? And then take the time to really draw it out of them and really attempt to understand them, not just listen, but really you want the penny to drop inside your own head. You want to say, I think I've got a beat on what this guy's saying or what this gal is saying here. Those are really three phenomenal action items for any of us to take. I uh, appreciate you giving those to us today, Seth. You bet. Uh, our guest today has been Seth Kahn. Now, Seth is the author of Getting Change Right and also Getting Innovation Right, both books that I highly recommend that you add to your library and start studying 
because it's going, uh, he's going to give you the, the tips in his book that's going to help you improve as a leader. Seth, thank you so much for being here with us on Manager Mojo today, and we wish you great success in all of your future endeavors. Well, thank you for having me, Steve, and I wish you the same. Thank you. Steve here, and one last reminder, I want to thank you for listening to the show, and I want to encourage you, go over to mojouniversity.com. Before you forget it, make sure you sign up for our training site, and let me be your teacher this year. I promise you, you're going to be successful. You're going to love it. Go to mojouniversity.com and sign up today.